I'm Tanja K. Johnson. I'm Alexander Christian. And I'm Gabrielle Brown. And this is Voices of Color, Story Breakdown Edition. Today we're going to be coming to you and talking about Game of Thrones, the entirety of the series, and how we as writers interpret it. How did you see the foreshadowing in this show? Just so I'm clear, we're going with the show storyline and not the books. Yes, we are not going to be talking about the books because that's a whole other beast that is completely different than the series because we can be going back and forth talking about the comparisons forever. So let's just stick with the show content. Okay. I love the foreshadowing of this. I think it was so subtle in the beginning that we didn't understand what we were looking at until about season three. I really Mm -hmm. didn't understand how vague and how delicately he told us what would be happening next. Mm -hmm. Um, So it took a very long time for me to start being able to recognize the foreshadowing. That's a, that's a really good point, Alex. And uh, what do you think about that? The fact that, you know, like you said, it was really subtle. Do you think that they should have played it up a little bit more maybe like, so that people could have understood it and picked up on it a little bit sooner? I think they should have for the TV show. Yes, definitely. For the source material, he's writing to his audience, so he knows um, what they're doing. Like, uh, you know, R plus L is very (laughs) broad. It's very vast. You know, that could mean Mm -hmm. anything. And he's like, you know, I told you at the beginning of the show how this all, you know, and it was. (laughs) The thing about foreshadowing is when you get to the end of a thing, the end of a show, story, whatever. When somebody asks you what it's about, you can usually boil it down into one sentence. And that's fine. But if you can do that before the show is over, you've got a problem. And before the show was over, it's one of those things where halfway through the explanation, you just bow out and say, you got to watch the show. Interesting, interesting. You know, like, I'm not going to lie. I kind of missed a lot of stuff, I think, as far as like the foreshadowing goes. Because I don't know, maybe it's just me and you guys can chime in on this, but I did not see <laughs> anything <laughs> leading up to Bran taking the throne. Like I was, I was super confused. Like I felt like that was just a complete and total, just like out of left field kind of thing. And maybe you guys picked up on some foreshadowing that, you know, kind of spoke to that um, happening, but I feel like <laughs> I just did not see that coming at all. <laughs> I can only say this. If it was foreshadowed, it was done too lightly and too late in the mm. game for it to matter. Foreshadowing is also about pacing. And if you don't do it right, it's not going to mean anything. You're just, yeah. um, you're just okay. justifying your means. So with Bran becoming the king in the end, winning the Iron Throne, mm-hmm. not even winning, he was given it. I think it was kind of foreshadowed when they go through the history of the Starks and they say how the first king was named Bran and how all the pretty much all the the great Starks were named Brandon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe that was the foreshadowing, but that was tied into the lore and the world building. So it's kind of hard to pick apart what is foreshadowing and yeah. what is history in this show. And that's the kind of combination that I love and die for in fantasy. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to talk about some of these topics with you guys today. Yeah. He told the Night King where he was. He knew that he was the history of the world. He didn't do that because he was going to die. It is 
so it is it is so subtle that it, it can it could be us giving them credit they don't deserve you know what i mean like some of this stuff happens so subtly for example the red wedding they were playing the reigns of castamere tywin lannister was the power behind the throne because his father was a very weak man his mm-hmm. mother his mother had a spine but his father was a very weak man bunch of people borrowed money from them and wouldn't pay it back. So Tywin Lannister had the entire family killed, the children, the nephews, the pets, the farmers. He wiped out an entire royal house. And at the, the, the party the night before, they played the, the Reigns of Castamere over and over again. So gotcha. after that, anytime somebody crossed Tywin Lannister, he would send them a small heart. So at the Red Wedding, when they sat down, they were playing the Reigns of Castamere. Gotcha. But that's one of those things that's so, you know what I mean? You have to be so deep mm-hmm. in the to catch something that subtle. Yeah, yeah. And that's where people have problem or disconnect with the show versus the books. Because the books, it gives you all this information. Mm-hmm. But in the show, you're kind of picking up bits and pieces and it can get murky. There is an issue there. But if you know both content, then you really get it and it drives it home. And it's amazing when you catch it. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's like, how how close do you hold their feet to the fire in translating 900 pages to two hours? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. I mean, but also just in writing in general, writing always gives you more depth. It, there, it's, I think it's a lot easier to do foreshadowing in writing versus in, um, you know, TV and movies because the person just can immerse themselves, the reader, or the viewer can just immerse themselves so much better. And it's just easier to pick up on stuff. And you can go back, you know, a page or two if you miss something or whatever. But it's, it's, it's so hard because the actors have to portray it just right. Like, there have to be very subtle nuances, like the music and stuff like that. And those things are really easy to miss. So sometimes it can be a lot harder to do foreshadowing well in a TV or movie format in a way that the viewers actually like pick up on it and get it. I've been kind of monopolizing the time, Kiki. So if you want to jump in, I'm acknowledging that I'm a chatter mouth. <laughs> you always are. So I, I make allowances, but I did, <laughs> <laughs> but I did want to talk about some of the foreshadowing that the writers planted into the story and just failed or neglected or refused, I don't know, whichever one of those you want to use, to implement at the end. So if you're going to foreshadow something, you can either make it a red herring or pay off that foreshadowing. So my issue with some of this writing is that they foreshadowed a lot of events happening and they never came into fruition or they just threw them to the wayside and forgot about them. And these were some really big things, some things that fans have been speculating about for almost a decade, and they never paid off. Okay, let me uh, tack this before we uh, roll on. Typically, a book is a singular vision, and I I think that makes a world of difference. So um, you've got a different director for every episode, you know what I mean? And you've got so many chefs that they they spoil the soup and then there's so much in visualization that is projected so i can make an expression to you that is my sexy come hither look right but you think i got food poisoning 
So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, (laughs) but that doesn't happen in print. In print, you are told what that weird face means. Mm -hmm, Exactly. I think there's a clarity when there's a singular, there's a singular musician writing the music and playing the music. You know what I mean? Just how clear a, a picture you can get. And then, you know, you hand this over to a crew and you got a lighting guy and a cinematography guy and it all falls apart. Now, um, that's that's the thing I wanted to say about the other thing. But this thing, they had a whole bunch of threads that never got tied up at the end. But I don't think that I don't think that when they started out, this season was going to be the last season. We can talk about why this didn't get played out. We all know that. Well, maybe the majority of people know that HBO offered Dave and Dan to further the series for pretty much however long they thought they needed to go. It mm-hmm. was making them Boku bucks, and HBO had no no wish to stop it anytime soon. Dave and Dan wanted to move on to bigger and better things, and they put a halt. They said, okay, we got 13 more episodes in us, let's start wrapping it up. And that is where we have pacing issues, story yeah. arcs not being completed and thrown off, um, complete plot arcs just jumping and going to the wayside. The world building that was all done in the beginning just trashed. There was, there's like no purpose for everything that happened. All right. It feels so, like so clearly you have an emotional days. attachment to this. Oh, so yes. <laughs> I spent nearly a decade obsessing over this show, making fan theories, going so, over so, all the lore, rewatching the seasons. And hit me, I hit me with a couple of the, uh, the threads that are uh, pinching your muffin. Don't I don't want to rag on the the writers. This is not what I wanted to do here. No, no. I mean, uh, um, just as, as far as even if we're just identifying them. So, like, um. So okay, let's just go back to my thing with the foreshadowing and red herrings. How I was moving into red herrings. There were things that were foreshadowed and never and foreshadowed many times. So in writing, they say foreshadow something three times, and that's usually going to give the reader or audience a clue. Like, okay, look, this is important. Pay attention to this. This is going to pay off later. Mm-hmm. Great. I saw these things happen multiple times. One, two, three, four, and maybe five times. That this person, X, Y, and Z, John, was going to be the person to really make an impact in the long night. Mm-hmm. No, it did not happen. He mm-hmm. screamed at a dragon, and that was it. Yeah. Um... To say I was disappointed, <laughs> I think is a bit light, but I I just knew then and there that this was not going to be what I wanted it to be. So I just had to distance myself emotionally from, from the season. Very curious, because I stand on the opposite side of that river in the sense that... Great. I love that. You've been telling <laughs> us, it's like... Um, it's like a murder mystery when they keep saying, John did it, John did it, John did it, John did it. And you get to the end and it's the cop. It's like, we can continue to march down this path that we have laid stone by stone for 10 years. Or we can do what Martin would probably do and give us something we don't expect. Now, Martin would give us something we don't expect that we enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I think you had, um, you had Raphael trying to impersonate Picasso. I guess I kind of feel like on some levels, it was a cheap trick on a certain level. Like, I feel 
he want like the the writers wanted to be so different or they wanted to be different so bad that they just yeah pulled the wool over your eye like to me john i wanted him to take over the throne honestly on some levels because i wanted him to grow as a character like he was kind of just a punk and copping out like (laughs) (laughs) man like grow a pair take responsibility you know those people that she burnt up they're dead because of you and i just wanted him to grow up come full circle as a man and as a character and but i feel like they were just like well everyone would be expecting him to do that so we're just gonna throw a orange in the middle of this random you know like it, it just went so random and so left for the sake of quote unquote like being different but sometimes just throwing in randomness for the sake of being different actually weakens your point. I absolutely agree. In uh, Iron Man, they kept telling us about the Mandarin, the Mandarin, the Mandarin. And those of us who read the comic books knew that the Mandarin is a powerhouse. He's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like three, le- three layers, levels below Thanos. He's, he's, he's a problem. And then, you know, they, put, they gave us the old bait and switch. And I mm-hmm. was pissed about that. But if they did not pull the bait and switch, I don't see John's life in an any differently than Ned's. He was Ooh. not built for politics. And that's completely fine. I don't care if he lives or dies. I want him to stay true to his character. I'm serious. I want him to stay true to his character arc, to his plot arc, and to really just just to come together, to, to have yeah. this cohesion and fullness at the end. And I felt lacking. You know when yeah. you eat a good meal and you're so full at the end and you're happy and you're smiling and you, you undo the belt buckle and you sit back and you're like, oh, that was good. Yeah. I'm still hungry. <laughs> yeah. I did not get my fill from this show. I feel deprived. So when John, who was supposed to be, he, why was he brought back from the dead? So he could have sex with his aunt. Sorry, I don't yeah. know if sex is allowed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So he could have relations with his aunt and then not know anything for the rest of the show. That's just mm-hmm. literally what he did. He followed her blindly, which was never, ever in his character art. He struggled internally with his decisions, and he always prevailed and came above those. I understand that characters change and things happen and they become different, but we never got to see why he all of a sudden was uh, yeah. puppy dog behind Daenerys. It just yeah. didn't make sense. And didn't, I don't didn't know. Didn't he do the exact same thing with uh, Redhead Hey, He left her. He what, left Egret. He, he loved her to death and mm-hmm. he left her mm-hmm. for his duty, for his people. So this is why I don't oh, understand yeah, okay. this. Gotcha. Gotcha. He dipped out on her. <laughs> okay. I, I, I say, <laughs> he said, um, let's stay in this cave forever. And he's like, I got other plans, miss. <laughs> uh, I will say this. I will say that I, I, I fear the foreshadowing that you missed is when Tyrion was no longer smart the show was no longer smart. Which I don't think that's mm. foreshadowing. I think that might be writing. <laughs> because the show should always remain smart. You should, your writing should always remain smart. Your characters can be dumb as dirt. Mm-hmm. But your writing has to contain that integrity. That, and yeah. that was lost. That, that, was, yeah. that was my feeble attempt at comedy. The moment Tyrion started making stupid decisions, that was the moment I start to... Uh, deflate my expectations and my hope for this thing. Because that that's what Tyrion was. It's like the moment 
when Batman is telling Superman, no, that's we don't we don't do that. That's not right. You know, the whole world is upside down. Like, what the hell is going on here? Throughout the show, there was so much redemption. And I'm okay with redemption. I'm okay with people changing and becoming something that they never were. Tyrion started off as one of the most ingenious people in the show. He ended off as somebody who fumbled through things that should have been been simple for him. And we never got to see that connect as to why that happened. We never got to see why he digressed. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys caught that. If you can like, please fill me in. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. No, it's, it's not that we missed it. It wasn't there. Yeah, exactly. There okay, is a- I, I just didn't want to be feeling like yeah. that was the case when I missed something. And There's I watched it. There, uh, when they're interviewing the cast for the final season, and they asked Jon Snow, um, if you had to just uh, sum up the last season in one word, what would it be? And his word was disappointing. They asked Tyrion about the final season. He was like, you know, they're fighting a guy who raises the dead, and we hid the women and children in a crypt. So, you know, maybe Tyrion's <laughs> having an off day. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where you're at the mercy of someone else's typewriter. Yeah. And they just right. had to do the thing. But they understood even inside that world. It's not like, you know, the director pulled them aside and explained it to them and it made perfect sense. That's like, this is some bull right here. <laughs> I mean, they've been inside those characters for longer than the show has been out. So mm-hmm. they know them. They know them very well. They've studied them. So this this is their art. They understand mm-hmm. these characters' motivations and where they should be heading because they're they're internalizing them so much. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. of course, if those clips are true, I don't know, because people can always manipulate things to make it seem like it's something that it isn't i would be disappointed as well because it's betraying what i felt like my character should have been Mm -hmm. where they should have gone all that work i put in exactly but you know what though i feel like they kind of made most of the characters digress a lot i mean even um even jamie like i mean he was doing so well and then he completely and totally just went back to his sister that might have been a fan service, to be honest, because even if Jamie went back to Cersei in the end, I wouldn't have cared. That's fine. That makes sense because they came into the world together. They leave it together. Poetic. Mm-hmm. How he got there, which is the most of the problem that I have with the ending of this show, mm-hmm. it just it just doesn't doesn't make sense. Jamie is somebody who's filled with honor, even when he was doing dishonorable deeds like killing somebody. He did it for what he felt was honorable to him, his love, mm-hmm. his duty, whatever his reasons are, he justified them. Well, I think he was trying to turn over a new leaf. He genuinely had feelings for Brienne, and I feel like he was genuinely trying to turn over a new leaf. But when they were talking, Anza was like, well, it looks like they're going to kill you. Just all of that he was trying to do just completely and totally crumbled under old Jamie, and he went back to who he was and everything like that. Because even when um, him and Tyrion were talking uh, that one night or whatever, when they were kind of joking around after he had slept with Brienne, he was talking about, he's like, you know, I'm just, I'm just glad to see you're happy. And he was like, you know, she, Cersei tricked me into, into loving her. And Tyrion was like, no, you always knew what she was. You just ignored it. He was trying to try to be better and then it all just crumbled and he just crawled back to Cersei and crawled back to old Jamie and all that he was and wasn't. 
Yeah, I don't think any of this had anything to do with the show. I mean, with the characters. Mm. I, I think it was about mm. the show. I think they gave everybody what they wanted at the end. And they killed off the people that they had to to make that roll out. So here's my mm -hmm. thing. Jamie said long time ago, I want to die in the arms of the woman I love. They gave him that. Yeah. Yeah. Tyrion wanted to be useful. They gave him that. Bronn wanted to be a lord. They gave him that. Sam wanted to be a maester. Like everybody just got what they wanted. And this is not what Game of Thrones is about. I think they tried to shove a happy ending in a Tarantino film. And that that's, <laughs> those are polar opposites. Yeah. <laughs> I always knew that the show was going to have that bittersweet ending. And to me, the ending, like, so the placement of the characters at the end is okay to me. Yeah. Their journey to get there from maybe like season six to eight is where I feel it fell apart, mm -hmm. where things were starting to get really rushed and, and murky and strange. So if I think about it objectively, Bran being king is not the most horrible thing if it was foreshadowed and told correctly. Fine. And if he hadn't been like a human turnip for most of season seven and eight, and all of a sudden in season, like in the last episode, he's talking more than he's talked in the last three seasons. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It, it just was mm -hmm. really weird. John being at the wall again makes sense to me. He's north. Sansa get, being queen, that was always her journey. And Arya going off, doing whatever she wants. Of course, that's Arya. So if. I think about the character placements. I'm okay. It makes sense. The journey was weird. Uh, you know, but see, that's but and you know, I, again, I think it's it's the it's the writer in me or the the girl in me who grew up on happily ever after is kind of. But like, I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> I kind of wasn't to, to a certain extent. Yeah, like they quote unquote got what they want, but they weren't any better for it. Like, so for example, like John, from what I've gathered or what I've been pondering. So I'm pretty sure that they told Grey Worm that they were going to send John to the wall just so he would be happy because Grey Worm probably didn't even freaking know what the wall really was and yada, yada, yada. But of course, when he got there, the wildlings are there. And so he just left the wall completely and then, you know, went off with them to the north or whatever. So if my understanding is correct, he's not at, he didn't actually go to the Night's Watch. He just, you know, kind of kept going and going to be a wildling now, I guess, or whatever. But he did, again, he didn't grow as a, as a man, like, okay, cool, I'm just gonna punk out and, like, roll off with the wildlings and just live out the rest of my days in the shadow of who I could have been. I, I guess that's my thing, I'm like, but, like, you could have been so great, uh, this, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so um, this brings me to a point that I want to talk about, which is structure. So what kind of story structure do you think the show followed? You were talking about Jon Snow and how he came kind of circle on his journey. He didn't grow. He just came back to the starting point. That's the hero's journey. Even though, arguably, was he really the hero? I don't know. But Jon Snow definitely followed hero's journey. What about hmm. the other characters? Hmm. Hmm. I don't believe that... <laughs> John followed the hero's journey. Um, 
kind of agree with that. <laughs> uh, but if 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 we are going to uh, uh, say agree that he did uh, for consensus, then I would say no. Okay, if you if you don't think so, just argue that point back. Then, if you don't think he followed the hero's journey, tell me why. Got you. If we're gonna follow that point, then Jamie followed the hero's journey as well, and mm -hmm. <laughs> um, like to. I thought the whole point of the hero's journey is to return to the physical place where you began, but as a different person. Yeah. That's not what happened. John mm -hmm. returned to his second home as the first person he was. That, that was terrible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he, he definitely yeah. changed as a person, him killing the person that he loved watching all this death and destruction and learning that he, I don't even know what the heck he really learned. But he definitely, <laughs> and that and that entails is a problem. If I can't think on, on the top of my head what this character learned, right? Mm, like, that's what, a like what was the point? Why did I watch all this? Yeah, and honestly, mm. I think he returned almost weaker than he. I personally feel like John in this season was ten times weaker than John in like season one. Like I don't right. know, maybe and he did change, even though he didn't become right, better. Right. I don't know if the hero's journey you have to be better than you were when you when you started. I know you have to change. Mm. Well, um, I think the word significant should be involved. Mm. Whatever it is that's different about John, uh, we don't love it. We can't identify it. It's mm -hmm. like, if I had a question at the end of the show, it's like, what did I watch all that for? Yeah. <laughs> That's 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 my question at the end. Just what did I watch all that for? So we talk about structure. Um, Jamie was on an excellent journey that I don't believe is the hero's journey because um, it is it is the the opposite and whatever that would be because Jamie was always the hero and we were waiting for the rest of the world to see it. Jamie had always been the hero. He had been abused by his father and it turned into a twisted thing that his sister could manipulate. And then he fell in love with his sister. And then to be free, he sold himself to the King. And then the King used him. And then he became his own man and he killed the thing he traded his entire life for. He was always the hero and it was up to the audience to catch up to that. So he had a magnificent journey. The fact that a rock got Cersei and nobody else upsets my soul. <laughs> I'm Agreed. glad you're not I'm glad I'm not the only one because no it's like it, the amount of <sighs> don't forget she tried to sell Tyrion's girlfriend just to annoy him that's mm -hmm. what a... <laughs> mm -hmm. what a horrible person she was but she yeah. loved her children if she yeah, loved her children so much, she should have loved her unborn baby and given up this crazy scheme no. of keeping the Red Keep in King's Landing. It was yeah. ridiculous. Here's the it thing: it was really ridiculous. People don't understand. What, people don't understand what words mean. It's like, oh yeah, she's a terrible person, but she loves her children. That's selfish. Mm. She's not doing this for someone she doesn't care about. She's not doing this because it's the right thing or because of principle. She's doing it because she feels a way about it. That is the, the, the most basic of biological responsibilities that you have. Oh, that right. thing I made, I support it. Oh, well, oh my. I'm, I was saying that completely sarcastically. Oh, I'm sorry. Just so you know, I was being very sarcastic. Well, then I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, because she, she is, um, I, I thought, um, 
Ramsey Bolton died too quick. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. The dog should have started at his toes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's just your sadistic way. So, no, no, no. Um, no. But that's, that's what he, look what he did to Theon and not yes. for any reason. Mm-hmm. Just because so like- he's evil. So, oh, you guys are making me want to talk about so many things. So let's talk about cliches, tropes, and subversions. Mm-hmm. We can wrap those all up in one. There was a lot of tropes. And just for the audience who's listening, tropes are not bad. Tropes are good. Tropes are what makes a story. Cliche is when you don't do anything original with this trope. You just regurgitate it. That's when it becomes cliche. I love when you exp- uh, you know drop that definition bomb on them like that. Mm-hmm. We have to. We're educating. Mm. We're not just having fun here. Mm. Mm, preach. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about some of the tropes that you enjoyed from this show. I have so many from the beginning, but I'm going to let you guys get some, get some words in. The smartest people are the poor people. Hmm. Hmm. They always have, you know... Well, he's 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 of good stock and he's of fine breeding and he went to the best schools and all that. And Bron just killed enough people that he could understand. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've killed men on every continent. And you know what I found out? Kings and beggars bleed the same. There is no blue blood. There is no righteous folk. Priests. I've killed priests. They're terrible too. It's just all across the board. I don't know if that's a trope or is that just something? Because I don't know. No, no, it's much more com- it's much more common in comedy because if you think about it, the um, like Inspector Gadget, right? So the cop with all the authority is a, mo- a bumbling idiot, and his six year old daughter is the genius who figures everything out. Okay, mm-hmm. guy- so there's different ways to avoid that. Okay, cool. I but um, the the fact that they stayed away from Mary Sue's, mm-hmm. and I like a good Mary Sue. If you're going to um, if that's the point of it, right? Like I, I went and saw Captain Marvel and the, pro- the point of it is she's just supposed to be awesome. So, all right, if that's what we're doing, John Wick, you know, Gary Sue, the man is just awesome. Gotcha. But if people are supposed to be people, break them and show me that you show me them break. You know what I mean? And they were very good at building people up. And as soon as they were comfortable knocking them back down. Yes, there was a lot of subversion in this entire show. They mm-hmm. did a great job with making you think this was what's going to happen because of tropes, because of movies and media and books that we've consumed so many times. And we just know this plot like the back of our hands. And then they slap a red wedding on us. And you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's different. That's mm-hmm. not what I expected. But it makes sense because they foreshadowed it. And this is what the show is about. I'm definitely going to say I enjoyed um, Tyrion's character and every, everything that he represented. He was the unappreciated, unrespected person who, unfortunately, because of circumstances outside of your control, had to become, you know, the brains of the operation. And And I loved how, and I don't know if anyone else caught or thought the same thing, but I loved how he actually kind of became like the thing that he um, initially didn't like. Like, I feel like he kind of became Cersei's to a certain extent. And I say that because, like, Cersei's big issue was just her pride, I think, on a lot of levels. Like, that's why she didn't leave the Red Keep at the end, because she swore up and down that she 
knew everything and she was so smart and, you know, she was going to destroy Daenerys with her harpoons and the armies and yada, yada, yada. And Tyrion at first, you know, even though his intentions were great, he kind of fell into that too. Like he was supposed to be, you know, smart and know everything and ended up trading it, trading it his best friend and having him killed and following this woman and giving her power and not following the signs because he thought he was so smart. And, but it was, it was very interesting to, to see his character and how they worked with that type of character. So I like that. I enjoyed that quite a bit, actually. I think the thing about Cersei was not pride. I think she, she had Batman syndrome. She was that mm. six year old girl stuck in that angry period because mom left mm. and I, all of her power came from hate. She could just take a lifetime of hate and focus it on a single, the singular point, and it, it gave her, you know, a superhuman ability to persevere. But mm-hmm. I, I don't think she was particularly proud or vain or or smart, and she didn't think a lot of herself. She just hated everybody else so much. <laughs> Cersei was really a fascinating character, and I love her. And she comes into play with one of my tropes that I want to bring up. So the weak princess, the weak queen trope. Mm-hmm that the woman just is going to lay there and uh, faint and say, woe is me, and just be the damsel in distress. (laughs) 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 And this is especially prevalent in fantasy. Even though that's my bread and butter, I just can't stand it when I see weak women for no reason. If you're going to be a weak woman, you got to give me something. Like, she has to be weak for a purpose. Mm -hmm. So... What they did to subvert this trope is they took characters like Sansa and Cersei and all the Dorn women and all the Martell women and the Tyrells. Like they were fierce. They were strong. They were smart. They were strategizing. They came in with a plan and they ran these men down like, look, you're just my plaything and I'm really here for the throne. So just get out of my way. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> Sansa, however, did start out as the weak little bird, as the hound called her. And she needed saving constantly because she didn't know how to protect herself. But in the end, she had been through so much trauma that she learned to guard herself. And she learned to think ahead and take these, take on some of the smart or strategic parts of the people who had done these terrible things to her. Mm-hmm. and internalize them in a way that could protect her in the future. So she completely subverted this trope and became somebody who was the queen in the North, which I really love that she was the person to free the North and become the queen. My favorite line that Sansa had, I, I've only like six of the lines that she's had, but my favorite line of hers is, I am a slow learner, but I do learn. She Mm-hmm. she's finally self-aware you know oh joffrey he's a golden lion and i'm gonna marry him and have a thousand of his babies you moron <laughs> <laughs> she was so young and so hopeful they had to break that youth and that naivete well, that, well, that, for her that, to really understand and see the world right but that that's what it wasn't what it was like they all of of the same stock of the same gene pool of the same house she ignored what she didn't want to yeah. be true and of all that's not a youth thing because the rest of the starks were pretty pragmatic <laughs> it, especially aria for her young age she was just yeah. like eh, 
none of this makes sense. And and Ned was, <laughs> Ned was smart enough to realize he's like, look, I get it. You're not gonna do dresses <laughs> and and <laughs> balls and a lot. Of, I get it. So, but here's the thing: we're still in the year eight, and girls can't be knights. So <laughs> you'll train, <laughs> but in private. You know what I mean? He he was still he was true to himself and to his code. And they, I don't think anybody, I don't hear people talk about how strong Ned was to let that lie sit on his honor. Mm, yeah, that's true. His honor was everything. And he, for the sake of his sister's son, Varys came to him up in a dungeon. He's like, you, what, what do you think? My life is some precious thing to me. I grew up around soldiers. I learned how to die a long time ago, which is a beautiful line. He said, mm-hmm. well, what about your daughter? And that broke him. And mm-hmm. this mirrors exactly what Tyrion said to Jon Snow when Tyrion was in the jun- dungeon. And he mm-hmm. said, look, hey, uh, what do you think Daenerys is going to do? Do you think she's mm-hmm. just going to let your sister Arya and Sansa just do whatever they want? No, she wants to make the world heal. So Jon paused when he was at the door, and that was a beautiful moment. And it was just like Ned. And he mm-hmm. realized, wow, um, <laughs> I got to make some changes here or else the it's people are going to die. more than my neck on the line. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Their honor, which is their, both of their pitfalls, mm-hmm. was, was not, was just kind of, it was blinding. It was, it was, it was something beautiful and something stupid at the same time. Oh, that's what mm-hmm. I wanted to say out of, you know, sheer rage. Even Daenerys got what she wanted. Viserys got what he wanted. I want my crown. Oh, you about to get your crown, homie. And then <laughs> she was like, I want to break the wheel so Bran can't have kids. Boom. Wheel is broken. Everybody got what they wanted. It's like they mm-hmm. just hate this material that they signed up. This is Game of Thrones. Everybody should have died. I'm going to defend the writers here for just a second, even though you won't hear me do that uh, much more often in this segment. I think the ending is George R. R. Martin. I think people getting what they wanted in these sick and twisted ways is part of his irony and part of his dark grim storytelling capability i don't think people getting what they wanted in these strange ways is bad i think it's interesting i think it's a way to play on a story that a lot of people don't think about i i I got no idea what we're talking about here um if we're talking if we're talking about like monkey's paw right where you get what you asked for but not what you want Right. That I can go with, but that's not what he did. He gave people what they wanted. Daenerys wanted the throne. She wanted to break the wheel. She did not want a blade in her stomach. No, no, no. But she didn't want to rule. She didn't want the power. Yes, she that, did. that was the thing that that was the thing that came later. That's the thing of the Tar- Targaryen blood. But her whole intention when this started out, when she was innocent and pure, was just to free the people. And by the end, her serving as queen was as tyrannous as anybody else. So she still got what she wanted because her being on the throne would have been the undoing of all that she started out to accomplish. I don't think that even crossed her mind. And I feel like saving her? the people, freeing the slaves was all selfish and internalized in a way to in a way to prove to herself that she deserved it because she's doing these wonderful things. Really? I okay. I do. Because, yeah, okay, so um, remember the, the part of the story where Cal Drogo got all these women and they were being raped and she stopped them because she, she felt bad. And then afterwards, 
she felt like these women owed a debt to her. She was so blindly trusting them after she and her husband had just ran through their community and killed everyone, thinking that, okay, I saved them from being assaulted, so now they owe a debt to me and they're going to be loyal to me. No, woman, you just helped destroy everything they know and love. And when the the witch killed her husband after that, I think I don't think she even learned that lesson. She just continued to go through her life in this kind of shadow of, oh, I'm so great. I'm doing these great things. And every single one of these great things that she did just kept compiling on top of each other. And she never really learned that she's just she's just selfishly doing these things. She's not doing them for for anybody. Okay, so that is that is exactly the point I'm making. If you are in deception, right? So it's not like she came to the understanding that she was being selfish and she continued to do it. She still thought she was doing the right thing. You know what I'm saying? That was that was the thing. She never wisened up. She never stopped to see that this wasn't altruism, that this was self-serving. Mm-hmm. Now, if she had and she continued to do it, then then that's a different thing. But in her mind, she was still pure. And we all could see that that ship had sailed. But I think she was doing this stuff because she really thought, hey, I know right from wrong and I can fix the world and blah, blah, blah. I'm impervious to evil or whatever madness was crawling through her mind. But like people like Braun and Tyrion and Jamie, like they knew evil and they knew they were it. She had no idea she was broken. But you know what, though? I feel like she couldn't have realized that she was broken. To a certain extent, because that would mean that she would have to face herself and all the evil that she'd done. Like, if she can wrap all that evil up into the fact that, you know, oh, I'm doing this for the greater good, it takes it off of herself to own up to it. But if she were to have ever truly looked at it, looked at herself and examined herself and said, okay, yeah, that was all. Like, I burnt down half the people. (laughs) That was just unnecessary and purely evil. Like, you know, she she would have had to own up to that. And I don't I don't think I mean, that's that's tough. Like self-denial and uh, lying to oneself is, you know, one of the easiest things for people to fall into on many levels. Right. But I think self-denial requires recognition. Mm. And I don't think she had the recognition. That's my entire point. If I convince myself that, you know, that I'm killing all these people because I'm cleaning up the streets and there's no conflict in me. There's not a part where I wonder if I'm doing, you know what I'm saying? If I'm just mm-hmm. zealously into this, then, I, and that's the thing. I think she completely drunk the Kool-Aid. I don't think there was a part of her outside of the madness to see the madness. Now I could be wrong, but at no point did she ever seem conflicted. She always seemed like, hey, I'm the rightful ruler of the world. Why is everybody not getting this? Mm-hmm. As far as pacing goes, the fact that they, uh, pulled this last season out of the wind as opposed to, you know, running it out for four more years like they were supposed to. Yeah, everything yeah. was garbage. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I have a question for you. All right, so what do you think about this? So I was kind of thinking about um, Sansa, right? Mm-hmm. Because to a certain extent, I kind of feel she kind of disrespected Bran when she was saying that she wouldn't, you know, the North wouldn't bend. And I feel like she was being selfish and I feel like that was her kind of getting what she wanted. I feel like she always wanted power and she always wanted to be a queen because if John would have taken the throne, Mm. I feel like she would not have been queen of the North. She would, you know, the North would have been a part of the seven kingdoms. So why does Bran taking over 
somehow. And I think partially because she probably knew she had more loyalty of the North people than him. So she saw her opportunity to kind of undercut him and seize her crown that she's always wanted. Whereas if John would have been sitting on the throne, there's no way she would have been able to take that throne. <laughs> I'm not- I think at that point, John had lost his credibility with the people of the North after he bent the knee to a foreign queen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, he he definitely would not have been able to sustain the North. They w- Sansa would have went back up there and people would have been grumbling for years and there would have been other issues. So I think it was inevitable that the North contained itself like it had been in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It needed to come full circle. I think that neither of them would have vowed. I think we were looking at war. I don't think either of them had it in them. I think they would have talked and talked and talked in circles and then finally decided that we can't talk this out. John, you're talking about John right now? Yeah, John and, and Sansa. John, you know, and Sansa John, were- John had lost that backbone. If we're talking about the John from season seven and eight, he had lost that backbone. He would have said, okay, I'm tired. <laughs> uh, I need to, uh, I just, I'll just rule, take the North and, and rule it well. Like that would have been it. And Sansa, Sansa would have been queen still. So <laughs> maybe if it was the John from season one or two, there might've been some squabbles, but he was tired. He was a tired man. <laughs> okay. So who is your favorite versions of the characters? Let's say we went down the main cast. Um, so who is your favorite Varys. You can't even ask this question because everybody sucked in the. <laughs> I I don't I don't understand the complication. All right, everybody sucked in eight, but when Varys opened that crate and he had got the guy he'd been hunting for twenty three years, I fell in love. Oh, so when did it click? Yeah. For, okay, so let me clarify your question. When did it click for me that I really enjoyed this character? No, where... no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is. Mm-hmm. John from season two is a completely different character from John from season eight, right? Yes. So which John is your favorite? That's why I'm saying this question. Okay. Um, I like John in season three the best. Mm. Um, when did he die? Was that season five? At the end of season five, yeah. Uh, five is my guy. He was like, he was like, I don't care about tradition. I care about survival. Mm-hmm. If y'all are gonna kill me tomorrow, fine. You put me in charge, and while I'm in charge, I'm gonna do what I think is right. He was his father's son. <laughs> and then he betrayed that with Daenerys, his duty, his honor, his love for his people, <laughs> his own survival. I just, <laughs> I know, I know. I'm sorry. I just can't. <laughs> I am unable to can. <laughs> But yeah, I'm gonna have to agree. Like, I think John from season, I think John from season five was one of my favorites because, like, see, to me, like, that's like that's who he should have been at the end. Like, he manned up. Yeah. First and foremost, he was just like, "Look, I'm, you know, I'm taking over. You know, I may not want this role or whatever as Lord Commander, but I'm taking it up, and I'm gonna do it to the best of my ability." Even when they killed, he still manned up, and he was like, "Yo, I'm killing all of y'all because that's the punishment, all the way down to the little kid," you know. Um, <laughs> And and he just was just he was a man. I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. But like he just was a, a man of honor and duty. Even when sometimes that duty was a little bit something that he didn't want to do, he just he did what he had to do for 
people that he was in charge of. And I mean, literally on in the last season, like the last episode, all the way down, Tyrion had to make him think about his sisters. That's like the first thing I thought about. Like this heifer like keeps going the way she's going. <laughs> and, you know, she's going to burn down everything like and, and kill my sisters and my brother and blah, blah, blah. Tyrion had to get him thinking. And even then he was still arguing with Tyrion like, bro. Why did Tyrion go back? So that wasn't the first time he had betrayed somebody. Yeah, Yeah, but the thing is, Daenerys has this dragon, and she could probably find him almost anywhere, and he has no allies. Nobody was going to help him. So he really didn't have any choice but to go back and face that music. No, no. Well, you know, maybe that's the case, but I disagree at all, because just like he set his brother free, he still had the illusion of power, which he could have used. Every time his life was on the line, he did what he had to do to survive. He never just walked into the lion's mouth, ever. I felt like then, at that moment, he didn't really have a choice because she, the lion, was going to take over the world. I, I understand what she you're just saying. Didn't have anything. He didn't have any when he was in the in in the the, the moon palace in when uh, Bronn first killed for him. That's when he was still smart, though. He's dumb. <laughs> you know, his mind is not even working as, as well as it used to be. So Right. So that, that's what I'm saying. The fact that he just agreed to go die was upsetting. It was really just because, yes. I mean, like even when he was like, battle by combat, will anybody fight for me? No, no, nobody. Oh, damn. This worked last. Yeah. But, you know, he, he never stopped trying. <laughs> But he was just like, he just walked, he took it off and threw it down the steps. I didn't <laughs> think that was going to end. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. his only option, would have, if he wanted to try to avoid this, was to run yeah. away from King's Landing. He could never have gone back to Daenerys and talked his way out of it because she had gone mad. Yeah. You can't yeah. talk down a mad person. So if he Maybe didn't run, he was going to was die. like, I, I'm responsible for this. <laughs> I need to. But even that's, that's not the Lannister way. All right, so that's Tyrion. When was your favorite Jamie? I love Jamie in the hot tub. I don't know what season yes. it was in the bathtub with Brienne yeah. when he was telling his story and holding up his little nub of a hand, looking <laughs> so pitiful, and <laughs> and saying what really happened mm-hmm. and why yeah. he was Kingslayer. That was when I was like, I love this guy. He is so misunderstood, and I have a weakness for characters that carry around lies. Oh, give me all the lies. Give me all the lies. Good Lord. <laughs> okay. That's that's what we're doing. So- <laughs> yeah, character lies, so fascinating. Um, I, at no point did I care uh, at all any about Stannis or Renly. The Battle of the Five Kings, it went on too long. Those characters served a purpose and they weren't there to really yeah to like entertain or dazzle they didn't spend enough time building him stannis was not somebody who built he was flat all the way through Mm -hmm. until after he killed his daughter and he was in the forest and and brienne killed him then he was like you know what i'm done i'm tired this was all a waste of my time i did terrible things and i killed the only person i really loved and it didn't even do me any good (laughs) exactly so that was the only time that I found Stannis interesting. That yeah. whole killing with Shireen was heartbreaking. But oh, yeah, it was yeah. a well-done scene. It was, it was good writing there. Yeah, I yeah just, that I, was perfection. 
when Tyrion saved um, King's Landing and he slapped Joffrey across the face, uh, when uh, he was like, she is your queen. You know what I mean? He just checked him in public. That When Tywin was alive and he understood that there was only so far you could threaten him because daddy wasn't going to let it happen, Tyrion was a beast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I hope in the books, I know I'm not supposed to be talking about the books, that we get an understanding of why these characters changed so drastically. Just <laughs> please, George R. R. Martin, do that. Make me understand. That's all I want. That's he all he I don't want. understand that madness. He's like, I ain't ready that. <laughs> this is his ending, though. He, it's, it is he not. said that this is his ending, yes. He even said that his ending is not going to be much different. It's going to be very similar. So... I just want to know why Arya kills the Night King when that was never in her plot arc or even in her interest. Who, well, who, who would you <laughs> like to kill the, the Night King? Because I, I understand that, that she. Awesome. Okay, so in the show, they made this uh, cheesy prophecy with Melisandre saying that you're going to shut the blue eyes, the green eyes, the brown right. eyes, and then she says it again, and then Arya starts running off and kills the Night King in midair. Fine. She was never interested. This was never her battle. She came into this and learned about it from her family. And even then, she never saw the threat. She never was face to face with a white and her life was on the line. And she's like, wow, this danger. I got to stop it. She just did it. it. I don't know. I just I just have so many. Yeah, so I, don't, many I don't I don't understand it. it uh, you know, from the outside looking in, it sounds like you got a case of the supposeds, right? Like this, it was supposed to happen this way. That was supposed to happen this way. But what I'm looking at is from the character of Arya Stark. If you boil her down to one sentence, she is conquering. He's an assassin. No, she is conquering death. She is mastering death. She is conquering the fear of death. And the ultimate graduation of that is to kill death itself. So for me, that made perfect sense, but she wasn't, what do we say to the God of death? Not today. That little girl didn't want to be an assassin. She didn't want to kill people for money, but she was fascinated with death. And for her to kill death itself seemed fitting to me, but I, I never thought of it as a profession. She was never like brawn. It was never about the money. It was never about the joy of ending lives. You know what I'm saying? For her, it was conquering. It was conquering these things that could not be conquered. I'm a girl and I will be a knight. I will not be afraid. I will be strong. I'll small, but I'll still take on Brienne of Tarth. It was about conquering. Right. I understand mm -hmm. what you're saying. I like her character also... fits the deed. However, uh, I don't think her arc or her motivations fit the deed. No, no, absolutely that's it. not. Yeah. So, yeah. Not. So people justifying her killing the Night King by saying, yeah, she, she conquered, she wants to conquer death and her whole time. And uh, what's the name of that place now? Her whole time training and becoming this faceless person can kill anybody, can can be silent in her attack. That's all good and great for her plan, for her motivations of killing Cersei and getting the rest of those people off her list. The Night King was never, ever even a dot, a blimp, a speck, a fly, a tick, a flea on her radar. He was just not there. It was all Jon's arc. It was his whole purpose. It was his whole journey. And for it to be, like, swept up and stolen by somebody who didn't even care about it to the last moment, it was, it was underwhelming. It was, it was just really underwhelming. I just, I don't want to harp on it too long. 
because you can tell it really attacked my soul for her to just kill the Night King, which is supposed to be the longest night that ended up being so short. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, so I don't... Hmm. Okay, I got you. If you want to argue it again, I understand what you said about her character being logically it could happen with her character because of all her training. However, no, I don't think her motivations fit. No, we're we're not <laughs> we're not on the same page. We're reading the same book, but we're not on the same page. Here's what I'm saying. So John was always set to be king. He should have always been king. He was born to be king, right? Mm -hmm. And he never wanted to be king. So at the end of this, he either grows up and does the thing he's never wanted to do, or he gets what he wants and he gets to be nobody in nowhere. Yeah. Sansa always wanted to be a queen, but she didn't want responsibility. She wanted power, but not responsibility. She just wanted to be pretty and walk around and have people love her, but she didn't want to read charts and, <laughs> and, and mm -hmm. make battle plans. You know what I mean? She just wanted to be called queen. She didn't actually want to be queen. And so she grew into that. But the thing for Arya is Arya has always been fascinated with death. Arya was always moving towards being a psychotic loner who kills all sorts of various monsters because that was her thing. That was her love. That was her inborn innate gift. I'm not saying for John to defeat the Night King, that seemed, I don't know, that didn't seem like his purpose to me. His purpose, mm. his purpose was to sit on the throne. Right. Like defeating Cersei, that seemed like more of Sansa's thing to me. But for defeating the Night King should have been Bran's thing. If anybody. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah, that's very true. So honestly, I, I thought Bran was. You see how we haven't King. even talked about Bran? Have you, did you guys <laughs> notice this? This is the first time he has been brought. Well, we talked about him in the beginning. He yeah, just but, got forgotten. That's what happened to him in the show. He went somewhere. We forgot about him. Oh, where's Brandon? We don't know. And then, sorry to cut you off. No, no, it's all good. He, this was his moment. So you're right. Him and the Night King face to face. The show down. The music is playing. It's slow. Every, they're, they're creeping towards each other. And you're like, this is going to be it. Bran is going to bring this three-eyed raven magic and just blast them. Yes. They yeah. stare at each other. They stare at each other and they keep staring. And then Arya comes down and stabs them. What? <laughs> so in the beginning of the episode, he wargs into the ravens. And you're like, ooh. Yeah. Chick. You're like, bring it. What's yeah, going on? The and he stays and the the for the entirety of the battle. That battle was ruthless. It was bloody. It was yes. hours. I don't, yes. I, I don't know how long that about, but it was a long time for him to be doing seemingly nothing. nothing. And I was hoping in the next episode, I'm like, okay, they're going to pay off this warging because there's no way these writers who are getting paid millions of dollars are going to put one of the most pivotal characters using his magic in one of the most pivotal points in the show and not make it mean anything. What was he doing? Yeah, that was completely pointless. I was shocked, to say the least. Here's my question. Why was he doing? What? Why? How? Where? What was? No. no, no, no. All right. Let's, let's, no say, answer. let's say that 
he was in a bird and he was watching the battle, right? Was he giving locations and uptime updates? Was he passing messages? Was this reconnaissance? Or was he just watch? Did he did What's up, Bram? And then his, <laughs> like one of his final lines was about Drogon and him possibly warging or trying to find Drogon for what purpose? We don't know. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he didn't do anything with the dragons when it was important. Um, how did he not see a fleet on the open ocean (laughs) with arrows the size of the thing is Bran said in that council meeting not in the council meeting but when they were all deciding about who was going to be king he said why do you think I'm here yeah yeah that made me angry I actually felt rage boiling up so you just sat there and chilled why thousands of people died knowing <laughs> that this was going to be the outcome just so you could sit on the Iron Throne. Mm-hmm. Why? Nothing, but you didn't want it, so... Uh, like, <laughs> what? No, I just... There's so many issues with Bran's character and his entire story arc. He started off so strong. Like, he was the first character that you are inside of when the show, op- well, no, not when the show opens up, but the actual content of the show. Forget the prologue stuff. Yeah, you see we'll, Brand. We'll finally get into it. He's the um. He's the character. He's the one, and everyone has these theories that the story is about Bran. There's mm-hmm. so much lore and history and world building. We've been talking for like an hour, and we haven't even talked about the world building yet. It's so mm-hmm. deep. There's so much, and the name Bran is reoccurring constantly throughout history. And especially with the Starks. And he is supposed to be this person, this three-eyed raven, this person that is supposed to bring them this information to, to herald a change. Something. And he's, he doesn't do anything in the show. Yeah. He doesn't. He stares. He, he barely talks. He acts awkward. Because he's the three-eyed raven. And that's it. I don't get anything. I love fantasy. I know this is supposed to be a low fantasy show. I love the magic. I love <laughs> the lore that they promise. I love... <laughs> yeah, low fantasy love... went out the window in season five. Yeah. So they, they so with the world building, let's just segue into that. Mm-hmm. They promised so much with that. In this world that used to be, magic was prevalent. It was teeming as rich as the life around them. It was real. Okay? But it went away. It died. But magic is coming back. And Bran is a really important part of that magic and he doesn't do anything with the magic that he has but war against yeah. the birds and then and kills Hordor and does weird stuff for seemingly no reason why did the Night King touch him and why was that important why was their connection important what was the Night King's motivations it just there's so many questions so many promises that were never answered and just broke the trust that I have with those writers. I don't trust them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they are making promises and they're not fulfilling. So can I just I, can yeah. I use your bathroom? Mm-hmm, but I'm a watch. I don't trust you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if you guys want to talk about a little bit of the world building, that'd be good because we've already run over time and here's the thing. They touched on I don't know, it's like we're talking about two different shows. After season six, seven, and eight, different stuff, completely different stuff. When uh, Tyrion and Sir Jorah, 
you know, went to this far off land. It was like, cool, this is awesome. And, you know, we met lizard skin dragon folk. <laughs> you saw a dragon? Yeah, Why? we went down the was door. Was that Daenerys' dragon? Yeah. Or a completely different dragon? We don't never know. And, you know, and they took us around the world. Uh, we got to sail and see giant monuments from these other worlds that, you know, existed before the men came from what all of that. Like we got to see Valeria and they didn't, I don't know. They, <laughs> they teased all of it and they, they went back and fleshed out almost nothing. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> so tip for our audience, our writers are people who love fantasy and this goes for science fiction as well. If Check you're going to build your world, that's also part of it. Okay. If you're going to build your world, please, please follow through on these promises. It's okay to have red herrings. It's okay to have things that don't lead anywhere. But do not, do not lead your audience on a merry chase and did not give them the treat at the end. It doesn't have to be the treat they expect. But you got to give them something for sticking with you for all that time and listening or reading what you're what you're putting out there. There's no way that I have watched a show for a decade and waited for these things to pay off and they just get forgotten. Yeah, it shouldn't happen. It just should not happen. Yes. <laughs> uh, I will say this. Tanja is. Um... Not only eloquent, but elegant. And she speaks with poise and tact. And that's not me. <laughs> if you have an idea for a story, and your story is a smash-up where every fictional creature is now real, right? All of Disney and, and, and Pixar and mythology and all of that stuff is real. And in this fertile garden, you want to tell me a story about a boy who likes a girl. I hope you have a sore throat on your birthday every year until you die. That is horrific. <laughs> <laughs> you always have to bring it to a new level. Of something I, am, I can't even name. I am so upset <laughs> with this. Uh, uh, he was the cultivation of a thousand years of intense breeding and genetic screening. He was trained from birth to be the greatest soldier in the world. And now he runs an ice cream shop. <laughs> but that's essentially the beginning of the King Killer Chronicles. No, I'm no. not going to just switch up what we're talking about. But if you give me that and then you lead it on to why he is now in an ice cream shop and you give me that adventure. Yeah, no, no, no. We're, okay. moving forward. we're moving forward for the ice cream shop. It's just him, you know. Uh, trying to get people to try to tutti frutti. That's it. We never. <laughs> yeah, that's bizarre. Mm -hmm. There's a mean, There's a better word for it than that. <laughs> Obsessed. Okay. Children of the forest. They were kind of brushed off. Mm -hmm. The yeah, the biggest, that's... biggest, biggest, biggest issue with the world building that never connected, that never led anywhere, that never paid off, was the Night King. Yeah. So many times these writers said they want to subvert tropes. They don't want to have these characters or plot arcs be what the reader or audience is expecting. So yeah. why give us a villain that is just villainous for the point of being a villain? There's no reason 
behind his motivations other to bring an endless winter and kill everybody. Right. And what is the point of that? There is none. And they defeated him in one episode. So think about that in terms of chapter in a book. Maybe that would be two two or three chapters if you're really going to stretch out a battle scene. No. <laughs> it just <laughs> I just I just I just can't my yes. everything in me that is a writer rebels against that. It rebels yeah. because you set up so much not just through a couple little pinpoints of foreshadowing. I mean through the from the very first scene in the show it was this high charged energy that look this death is coming for everyone and it does not yeah. matter if you're a man a woman your sexuality your race it's coming for everyone mm-hmm. and your petty mortal squabbles do not matter so after they defeat the night king what happens we're back to the squabbles i just yeah. wanted to tear my hair out really mm-hmm. So the yeah. whole point of the show, which was to tell us that man, mankind, get it together because there's a bigger threat. The threat is wiped out. And we're back to Game of Thrones. Yeah, they dropped yeah. the ball on that. There were so many opportunities that they just completely, totally missed with the Night King and all that he was. And that in and of itself was kind of a letdown because Literally, we've waited all these years and through all these seasons. And he, we finally see him. We finally see his power. And, and there's literally no point to any of it. So it's kind of like, <laughs> wh- what? Like, the so- man was unburnt, okay? Yeah. Daenerys burnt him with a dragon. Yeah. He came out smiling, smirk. That smirk was a hint, a glimmer of intelligence, yeah. of something that was more than just a mindless beast destroying. That was a yeah. man behind that. Exactly. So don't give me that smirk, that little glimmer of hope that I have, that something is going to be more than what this really is, and then just dust it off. I got yeah. a question for you. So the um, why wasn't John fireproof? We don't know. John never got burnt. And I'm mad well, about that. Thing, I yeah, wanted him to get burned. He wasn't her, you know. That's what I thought they were going to show us when the dragon showed up. I was hoping for that. If you <laughs> yeah. gave me that, and if he died from dragon fire in that moment, I would have been happy. If right. he died from dragon fire, and not, and like now we don't know what to believe. That would have been <laughs> exactly. That would have boggled my mind. That would have been something. I might have. I might have took a plane trip. <laughs> to where what i will fight you in your office <laughs> what does it mean <laughs> okay sorry i cut you off with the dragon fire no no but that, that, that was my whole i was just like wait a second it was all kind of stuff yeah um i mean shouldn't he have been at least fire resistant we'd have no idea what he could have been but viserys his her brother Oh, he didn't him get being burnt by the metal should that have happened or is it just fire we don't know mm. Mm. how did her hair not even burn in the books it did burn okay hallelujah you got some sense I guess, <laughs> and in the books she hand? wasn't really impervious to magic I think it was just that one time deal impervious mm. to fire sorry yeah it was uh, the birthing process right so 
this whole unburnt thing, I don't know if it's really what it what it should have been. And speaking of things that weren't in the books, Arya, that prophecy with Melisandre never happened. She never even meets Melisandre in the book. So yeah, there's no need to. That prophecy tying in for her to be the one who killed the Night King, it's garbage. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they had to do something. So they're like, oh, we need to be different and we need to whatever. So, you know, they didn't want to give us what we were all expecting that either A, John or B, Bran would be the ones to kill him. So they had to somehow tie her into it and, you know, whatever. But I mean, because even the connection between Bran and the Night King, that to me was kind of pointless. So now I'm kind of like, well, what? Like, what? Like, I. Like, that could have been such an amazing thing for them to explore, but they just, again, just let it die. Was there, what What was the reason that the Night King could touch him? Like, was it because the Night King was made by the people of the, I, I, mean, I, I mean, I don't even know. Like, there were so many avenues that they could have taken, and they just let them all just crumble. I got a question. Um, I know, we have a bunch of questions, and we could probably keep doing this all night, but... <laughs> Right, so the night king touched him. Uh, the hound. Really? Uh, really? The hound really won. Your brother's dead. He's, oh, yeah. <laughs> he's very dead. It means you want to dead him er? Like, what? why are you throwing your yeah. life away again now? What are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> I just think the fact that he was walking around doing what he likes best, which is killing and hurting people, was too much for the hound to bear. And he had to stop it. Well, you know what? So, I feel like it was there just... was a dragon torching the city. <laughs> I feel like the battle between them was a good, it's just good symbolism. I, I enjoyed that piece because, and I liked how they tied it in even with Arya because it was kind of foreshadowing what her life could have been. Because her, both her and the Hound were consumed by revenge. Like, that's all they cared about. Like, she literally counted names, repeated names, like, you know, of the people she was going to kill or whatever. And I think it was a great parallel to show the Hound and how he's, quote-unquote, getting his moment of revenge, but how literally empty that is. Like, A, because revenge is just whatever, but then B, because literally his brother is dead already and can't really feel anything or whatever. So you're quote unquote getting your revenge, but it's not even worth it. And in the end you end up dying. You know, he ended up dying with his brother to quote unquote get his revenge and just the whole emptiness and the whole pointlessness of it. I thought that was pretty cool. And like I said, I like how they tied that with Arya because she could have been down that same path, but at least she kind of let it go. I think it was smart enough to see that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, he's already dead. And even if I kill him, I'm going to die. I guess mm -hmm. he was just like, I'm going to die. Let me do this before I go. Because nothing else makes sense about how pragmatic he was. He was so practical. Even when he hung the guys, you know, who had uh, killed his little farm family of mm -hmm. communists. Mm -hmm. He immediately, like, he, he said, wait a second, before you kill him, because then they get all hard to move. Let me see if his boots fit. Like, he, mm -hmm. was, he was very practical. So I don't But I don't see, know. I feel like that's what makes his need for revenge and the emptiness of it even better because like you said he was a very practical man 
So to constantly be consumed with and go after this revenge against his brother, it was the most impractical thing he could do. And it was absolutely pointless. And in the end, like, I've, I feel like he did obviously get to that point where he was like, well, this was pointless. But I feel like it literally wasn't until he was in the midst of fighting his brother and then he was stabbing him and like no blood was even coming out. And he was just like, and I feel like that was like this moment where he was just like, Uh, 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 that was some really good comedy like a really good element of comedy in an intense scene and that's something that i like to try to recreate in my own writing Mm -hmm. slicing some heavy moments with something that can ease the tension off and help you build it back up for an even bigger bigger moment I, i absolutely agree with that technique what was so stupid to me was He's dead. So you stab him in the heart. You don't cut off a hand so he can't punch you. You don't cut off a leg so he can't walk. You're just going to stab him in his big meaty everything. What? I don't know if there's any explanation for that. (laughs) All right. So we're going to have to cut this short. I love this conversation. It's a lot of fun talking about a show that I've loved for so long. Thank you guys for coming on. It's been so much fun. This has been Voices of Color, Story Breakdown. See you in the next episode. Peace.